Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Ready to put a uh, cherry on top of the AFC West today, Andy? Yeah, bright red cherry. Oh, nice. Right there. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I do. A big big red cherry, even. You know? A big red cherry with big red and company uh, at the top of this division. I can't wait to talk about the Chiefs, I got to tell you. I'm very excited. A lot of angles to break down on them. Uh, Our reigning Super Bowl champions today. So, yeah, this is a big day. But before we get to the Chiefs, I think we got to start with the Chargers. Before we get to the Chargers, uh, anything super exciting going on in sports right now? Or just kind of boring? Nothing really happening. Nothing really happening. Are you? I know. I just, I just said that when you know we were talking uh, when I was talking to Nick Costos. There, he asked. He said that out loud, and it was the first person I heard say it, and it felt freeing when he said it. He's like, "There's almost too much." And I'm like, "It feels terrible. <laughs> it feels awful to say it, though." I've said that. I've said it feels terrible to say it, but you're right. Like we, it feels. You know, like uh, a beggar getting a feast, being like, oh, I'm stuffed. This sucks. I don't want any more food because we had nothing. And now it's like, fuck, man, there's like hockey and basketball sneaking up on me. If there's day baseball, all of a sudden it's, you know, it's one o'clock central. And there's like people are, oh, so-and-so scored a goal. And, you know, this team's up in the first quarter and there's a home run. Like, and I didn't sports started already. What is going on? Why is there so much going on at once? We don't even have golf yet this week. You have yeah. UFC every single Saturday. You have midweek fights with some of the like contender series stuff. And there's boxing. There's uh, it, it's almost become too much. Like I need to quit my job. I always say that. Yeah. I'm making, so much going what? on. Like, and it's, it's not going to get oh, easier I'm, anytime soon. <laughs> no, like, it's not getting easier. I'm not saying we're I'm cheering to, against college. Football, I know. But, uh, yeah. Well, that's probably, yeah. I, well, college football is not going to be anyway. till like October anyway, but um, we've, we're going to get uh U.S. open coming up, French open coming up, tennis. We got uh, golf majors coming up. We got uh, Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. Derby coming up. Like this is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, this stretch we're in right now, the NBA playoffs are off and running. Um, they are, this, this schedule is so packed. We get four, games per day um i've given up trying to get anything done in life uh besides watching the NBA playoffs this week has been a total disaster of productivity um and yeah it's uh, a bunch of good games though Jeez, man, there have been and uh, some tough, some bad beats. I was on the, I was on the wrong end of so many bad beats. It was like I knew I was going to have three or four over the course of the playoffs. I didn't know they were all going to be on day one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, really? Are you kidding? I'm still um, sad. Like, like we said, Utah got us our money yeah. back today, but I know. I, felt but I have I felt massive. Jealous. I have a massive series position on them that should be two zero right now, uh, and I'm really yeah. bummed. Um, and similarly. Uh, you know, similarly with that, that a Mavs game one win would have been so big that tech, those technicals on Luca, were, I mean, on uh, Porzingis were just so soft. Um, see if, uh, if the refs do a, uh, do a little solid for, uh, for Mavs and company tonight. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little NFL. That's what everyone's here for, right? That's our blood and send our bones. Uh, we uh, live and die for the NFL. So let's get, get into that, right? That is our blood. Yeah, AFC West. Yeah, <laughs> West. And this was, you know what? 
I said I was like higher. I'm higher on the Chargers than I am the Raiders or the Broncos, and that's the reason they got bumped to the second pot of the week. But uh, I don't know. The more research I did, I'm not that high. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. There's there's a scenario. I guess there's like a scenario where they could be good, but yeah, again, it's it it feels like. None of these teams are making the playoffs. Yeah, it does feel pretty bad. Like we Dude, talked about touching getting, it. You can yeah. get the, the three-way betting them all at like 10 to 1. Don't do that. Yeah, I don't I, think you I, should do that at all. There's going to be three, three wild-card teams. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Don't do that. It's gonna don't be, do it. Yeah, it's going to be really tough for all three of those teams. Just They have big problems. That they big. need to overcome that aren't aren't able that you're not able to overcome in one season. I don't think. Big. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's talk about those problems. A uh, little snapshot summary that was number one: uh, Denver's cornerbacks and offensive line major holes. Uh, that's a bad combination. You don't want bad secondary, bad offensive line combination. Um, the Raiders. Uh, it was largely um, coaching. Uh, youth and the defense side of things and Derek Carr not being an especially um, effective, you know, not being a top half of the, of the league quarterback uh, under pressure um, and schedule is tough for both of those teams. And none of that really changes as we drift into the chargers here. Um, the chargers, I would say have the most um, outstanding unit of these three teams. And it is their defense. I would say the Chargers have, in general, the sh- like the shell of a really competitive team. Um, besides the quarterback position, is that fair? If you look up and down this roster, yeah, no, that's that's super fair. And I guess now that I, you know, I said like on Monday, I'm kind of high on a team, and then you look at man, what. What are they going to do here? Because I know what I would do, but I don't know what this team will do. I don't trust the coaching staff. Uh, I think it could be a fly by the you know seat of your pants decisions on what they do with the quarterback here, as far as you know yeah. throughout the season. Because it, you know Rivers is gone. It is what it is. Like I, I think that's probably. I'm not like sad about that. He was great, great player, <laughs> super, you know, super guy. Really fun, <laughs> really fun gifs. gifs what are you talking saying. about? What talking he's, rivers? Yeah, I mean he's super dad, I guess, right? I mean, oh, I very, mean, super good at like the yeah. the, the gifs. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Right? Very gifable. I don't know, like, amazing faces. Amazing like, well, faces. I guess I'm saying he was a very uh, a tough competitor. Like, yes. he was fun. He's fun to watch out there because he's all in on the game. Oh like, yeah, he's he's not yeah. like a Jake. He's the anti Jake Cutler. Like he's all That's in great, all the time. Real red ass. Yeah, real <laughs> red ass American love. <laughs> real football, red but, ass. Yeah, real. But uh, as far as yeah, you know, talk, as far as the production, talk shit to a defensive lineman who just put his face in the dirt, right? You know, like he's he's definitely um, yeah he is good bad for the sport of football. Yeah, he is good for the sport of football. Damn, I agree. Damn it. Um, and uh, but I'm yeah, not I'm well, not sad to see him go. As far as the the team goes, like it wasn't gonna be. It was time. Yeah. We should, yeah, yep. it was time to go. Yep, the Philip Rivers era was over. Uh, two years ago, uh, we caught some of that lightning in the bottle with the Chargers. I was like, I was into the Chargers pretty good in 2018. Um, you know, I think at, we saw them lose games one and three to the Rams and the 
Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. And it was pretty clear that those were like the two best teams in the league over the first half of that season. And we remember we had we our, we're like talking. Yeah, we were like, wait a second. Like, yeah, they're one and two, but uh, they just lost the two of the two best teams. Like, this they might be good. Uh, and they, you know, looking down their schedules, like, wow, they got like four or five games in a row. They could win here uh, and they can get right back into the mix. And I, you know, so we had uh, some pretty nice, big, fat numbers on the Chargers from early in the season that year. And it was a lot of fun watching them ride too. Um, they were a win away from the AFC West title, which would have given them the two seed, I believe. Uh, they had a thrilling late season win against the Chiefs, if you remember right, like 28 yeah. 27, where they went for two on Thursday Night Football right around Christmas. Like it was just a fun season. Uh, and they yeah, ended real, up. Uh, weird team as far as some of the big wins and just baffling losses, I guess, as you want to call it. Yeah, they were, uh, they were they were hard to predict for us, and but I think yeah, I think we did hit it there. We said this team probably isn't terrible. They're not a one and two team, but um, we probably overstated the consistency that we thought we could see from them because they uh, they were anything but consistent. It was uh, well last it was a trying year, yeah. season, just, just like every yeah, yeah, just like every season. That well, every season I think that's, that's what we true. get from them. It's like. That's true, man. That and it's always from something else, whether it's a bunch of injuries or the kickers, boy, the kickers for the last few years. Oof, like if you're a San Diego fan or now an LA fan, I'm, I'm sorry if we're spiking Bringing all this up here because yeah, to a degree that the franchise is cursed. The injuries are real. Uh, they happen every year. They lose important players year in year out. Um, and the two years ago team that uh, shocked the Ravens in the playoffs and then just got their pants pulled down against the uh, Patriots. Um, a lot of that was because their defense was freaking awesome that year. They got sensational play out of their rookie Derwin James. Um, they had a very, very solid pass rush led by Mel- Melvin Ingram and now highest paid defensive player in football, Joey Bosa, question mark. Um, and, but they were, just, they were just a damn good defense. And Philip Rivers did a really nice job leading that offense um, with a you know hell of a good complement of receivers that that he had at his disposal, uh, and coming into last season, they were basically one B in the West, kind of after Chiefs one A, uh, and they were expected to win double digit games, uh, and that went sideways in a flipping hurry. Derwin James never took the field last year. I don't believe if he did, it was very late in the season. He had a list Frank injury in his foot, if I remember correctly, uh, which is nasty injury and. It's, uh, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's, it was not, um, you for, we forget really how good uh, the defense was overall. We forget really how good Derwin James was overall and how cohesive this unit was overall, I think, because last season was such an anomaly. Um, Gus Bradley, still the defensive coordinator. The talent is still all here. They add Linfall Joseph to the mix, so they should presumably be even better. Uh, at uh, stopping the run, they add Chris Harris Jr. to the mix, so their pass defense should even take a step forward. Um, yeah. But you know, you I know that's Chris why Harris, I want to love this Derwin team. James. Like that's that was such yeah. a good move. The the Chris Harris like it, adding to a strength that we know that having depth and having a, a major strength in the defensive secondary is super important in today's NFL. They made a strength even strengthier, which is not a word. <laughs> and I, I want to be jacked about it, but. You know, the the other yeah. it's the other half of the you know, there's two sides to the equation on passing and stopping the pass. And yeah, it's the other side that sucks for me. So there is yeah, one some, some there is additions. one defense. There is one defense in this 
in this division that I think can uh, frustrate the, the Chiefs, and it is the Chargers. Uh, and I think that gives them a little bit of a shot in those two games uh, if they get anything out of their offense. And as you look across their offense, they have done a decent job of bolstering their offensive line, bringing in free agents. I like when teams do that. Um, they have done a decent job of retaining drafted players uh, in the receiving core in Keenan Allen, um, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. Like, that's a solid three receivers you're going to have on the field every single snap. Another guess slot what? receiver in the backfield. They paid Austin Eckler a very reasonable running back contract. Yep. Loved it. Loved that contract. Like, literally, all of the pieces that are in place for this team to be damn competitive. And then Tyrod Taylor is going to be your quarterback week one, and he legitimately, his seat will be hot from the first snap he takes because you drafted a quarterback in Justin Herbert who is years away from being a competent and competitive NFL quarterback, in my opinion. So that part of the entire vision is really, really, really tough to wrap your head around. Um, And when you consider the fact that Anthony Lynn is the head coach, and he's brought in, uh, or I guess they elevated Shane Steichen. <laughs> I can't even pronounce that Steichen? guy's name. Steichen. Steichen. Guy I'm going to go Steichen. Never, never heard of him before, but they've elevated Steichen to the offensive coordinator role. He has a very, very difficult task of, number one, getting the most out of uh, a quarterback in Terod Taylor who has a very, very low ceiling, while also developing a rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert who needs a lot of work which I think distracts the entire potential for this offense scoring more than 24 points in a given game. Even though they have all these weapons, even though they'll have time with these, with this offensive line, even though, uh, you know, their defense should set them up with short fields uh, and create turnovers. Like I, you know, it's, I'm not here to tell you that Terod Taylor is going to be as good as he was when he took the Buffalo bills to their first playoffs in like 20 years. He's a fine quarterback for the NFL. He is a he is the kind of guy that will not turn the ball over, um, but he is he's also a placeholder. Kind of he's a great placeholder. He's a great placeholder. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to lose you games, but he sure as hell is not going to win you games. And I say that with confidence because he takes a lot of sacks. He throws the ball away a lot, and he doesn't have the wheels and the mobility, the athleticism uh, to extend plays in a way uh, that I think. You would, you will need uh, if you, um, you know, if you're playing against relatively tough defenses in this league, and and it's, it. I guess what's the over under on how many starts he even gets? Four and a half, five and a half, ten and a half. I mean, is he going to start this entire season? Uh, is he? Are we I'd underestimating his 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 ceiling a little bit? Do you, do you have a different read on his ceiling? I guess. I know. I don't do, think my read is a, that different. Can he do a serviceable Josh Allen impression in terms of um, just getting his just doing doing just enough uh, to get to a good 10 defense wins into the playoffs and get to the wild card? Get a good defense into the playoffs. Eh, I don't know. It seems like a stretch. He's not nearly as athletic as Josh Allen. I, I don't yeah, fear. I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm. I mean, I'm being. I'm saying this in earnest. I, we shit on Josh Allen all the time, but he's a crazy athlete. His legs are very dangerous. He has a cannon arm. If he accidentally puts one somewhere where a receiver can get it, 
and that receiver's fast, like he could have an 80 yard touchdown because he's got a cannon. It's just inaccurate. Uh, yeah, Tarad isn't exciting for me. It was uh, he took the Bills to the playoffs too, though. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. But yeah, if you, I mean, just looking at the schedule, Kansas City, Tampa, and New Orleans within the first five games. I mean, if he's really struggling against good teams, then you know the defense can only do so much against Kansas City and New Orleans, especially in New Orleans after a game at Tampa. Just look at look at the receivers you're going to face there. The Kansas City entire offense, and then the trip, the you know the triple threat down in Tampa, and then New Orleans with uh, Thomas and Manny. Like that's that's a big ask for those that quarterback, you know, the, the entire defensive secondary that we're so high on, it's still tough. So if the defense is not being absolutely locked down and these good teams are scoring and they're, they're losing badly because the offense can't get anything going, you know, what are you supposed to do? Just keep, keep Herbert on the bench. I guess I think more of the Herbert to rod, you know, when they do make the switch, more of it probably depends on Herbert. Because, you know, if you are saying, you know, we're in a rebuild and we're not going to move on and plan on being a playoff team here because of our quarterback situation, you can be in a hurry, I guess, if you want to. And I, I like being in a hurry with a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, getting out there. See what you have. Like, I'm a, I'm a proponent of see what you got. Get them out there. But I don't know if I'm – I guess some of those defenses aren't terrifying – but uh, if he's not ready, he's not ready. And I think that's something we probably won't know because we get nothing but, you know, press clippings and coach speak and the beat reporters saying he's looking great. You know, they're not going to say Herbert looks like garbage. This is a bad draft pick. He probably won't ever play for us. You know, oh, he's, he's coming along nicely. He's, he's starting to mesh with the veterans and you know, really, really good arm strength and, you know, he's, he's making friends in camp. Everyone loves him. He's a great kid. Like, that's what you're going to hear. So we won't really know where he's at in this progression. I think we're going to find out based on when they play him. If uh, It depends on what you trust the coaching staff to make the right decision. But, I mean, even a bad coach knows when a rookie quarterback has no business probably starting, I hope. So I would, I would probably get him just because you don't have the preseason, you don't have camps and all that. I would, I would start – him after that tough stretch like let let Tarad take some hits I guess let him get through that rough stretch and uh, you know let Herbert start against the Jets Miami Jacksonville Vegas into the bye that doesn't feel quite as bad so I, I don't know if you have an opinion or if you've read anything on team sites and what the plan is I have no idea what the plan is I guess eventually it's Herbert I would think he plays. You you up some pretty high draft capital when there were a ton of free agents out there that you could have grabbed. So yeah, seriously, I'm I'm assuming it's Herbert at some point, and if I was coaching, that would be my move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they must love him if they took him sixth overall when uh, you know Cam Newton was available, when uh, James Winston was available, when uh, you know they. They committed so publicly to Terod Taylor being the guy. Even you know, it's uh, I guess I just I personally, from what I've seen of from Justin Herbert to this point in his it is uh, football public football life, um, 
he's got all the measurables, but I have not seen uh, the level of play on the field that suggests he's going to step into a starting role in the NFL in 2020. Uh, it's been, you compound that with the fact that we haven't seen, uh, you know, there's been no, um, you know, no preseason off season of, you know, it, has, it hasn't been normal business as usual this year. Um, and again, you know, I know nothing about the coaching staff in LA that they can properly develop an NFL quarterback. That's an entire, that's a, that's a total crapshoot, right? Like that's not an easy thing to do. Lots of very good quarterbacks get drafted and don't get developed, pro, you know, properly, uh, and you know, get recycled or, or you know, moved on from. Uh, and some of those guys find good homes elsewhere. Um, and Justin Herbert needs a lot of work, in my opinion. And I don't, I don't totally buy or believe that they got the guys that that they need to to uh, to coach him up to be, uh, you know, NFL ready, especially this year. Yeah. So Without digging into the coaching staff and seeing if there were guys that are currently on the staff that run staffs that brought up young quarterbacks, it's really tough to say because. When's the last time they coached up a young quarterback? It's been Rivers since 05. Absolutely true. So that's absolutely yeah, it's true. Not, it's not. It's not like they they have some experience with this as this current iteration of a staff. They've been. <laughs> did you see Cardell Jones play much in the XFL? Because they they did Cardell Jones the staff. He was okay. He was no PJ Walker. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. That's that's kind of what I was wondering. Um, okay. The, um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, like my operating expectation as I look at the Chargers schedule, as I look at their playoff yes, no odds, as I look at their team win total, is that you're going to get a heavy dose of Terod Taylor this year, barring an injury. I think Terod Taylor's tenure in Cleveland, where he was in a similar situation where he was keeping a seat warm for Baker Mayfield, is not a valid comp. Uh, that team, and Hugh Jackson in particular, was drowning and fighting for his life did not want to get fired and was willing to do anything. Uh, and so he had a very, very, very high incentive, <laughs> a very high incentive uh, to pull, you know, pull the old, you know, hook on Terod Taylor. And I think if I remember right, Terod Taylor got like his clock cleaned in week three, uh, you know, and was effectively like, you know, we got to pull this guy coach. He's seeing stars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, and that was he that. Is highly sackable. Like high, his highly, highly his sack rate is like yes. double what Rivers was. Like yeah, you're going right. to see more sack. Even 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 with the improvements on the offensive line or the the investment they made, yet to see if it's actually improved. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, he's I, I he's you're a gonna, he, you're going to okay. see more sacks. From you know, in the NBA, when you got a guy who's got a quick trigger, you know, and he's just he gets his shot off quickly. Like Terod Taylor was the opposite. Like he is a very slow passer in terms of like just. Once he decides where he's going with the ball, how long it takes him to go through the motion and get the ball out of his hands takes a long time. That leads to a lot of sacks. Uh, it led to some fumbles and a lot. It led to Bills Mafia um, having one of the weirdest public divorces of all time with Terod Taylor. I don't know if you remember that from a couple of years yeah, ago. That, but, was, uh, oof, that was ugly. Um, took you to the playoffs. I mean, that, that team was pretty rough. Like He made chicken salad out of chicken shit there yeah you know the defense the defense was good too then but yeah and similar situation actually like an average-ish maybe you know an average-ish offensive line if they stay healthy um and you know he gets eight nine wins with the bills like i think that's pretty reasonable expectation for the chargers if they play a full schedule 
with him as a starting quarterback. Now, if the chips don't fall well, if they have some unlucky bounces, if their kicker is shanking makeable 30 yarders to win the game against the likes of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, and the, you know, the, the Miami dolphins, uh, then this goes sideways in a hurry. And you're two and five staring at uh, an easy stretch in your schedule like you brought up. Um, and I think you absolutely pull the trigger uh, and throw Herbert in there and get him some game reps. Not, un- not unlike what uh, we saw with Denver and Drew Locke last year, right? Like once it's over and you know it's over, like get your guys some reps, right? So that presents. Yeah, because I mean, you need to see yeah. if he made a massive mistake. And I mean, at this point, and it's it sucks because you're falling prey to you know the sunk cost fallacy, but I think at the same time, or am I falling prey to it? Like if if a guy you draft that highly just stinks from the get go, because I was about to say you kind of have to stick with him a little longer. But what, what I mean, what if he's what if he's terrible right Herbert? away? Yeah. Well, Jared Goff was absolutely atrocious his rookie season. Like yeah. so bad, it was like the Rams have, you know, the Rams have absolutely screwed this up. Um, part of that, in my opinion, was because the Rams, <laughs> they had Jeff Fisher and company developing him, and oh, they switch it. They it switch like it forever ago. They switch him out for switch out Fisher for McVeigh, and all of a sudden, you're absolutely we were sure he was a bust. Uh, wins ten games. And two years later is in the Super Bowl. So it's like, you know, the, the coaching, the development part of coaching is often overlooked, I think, um, as far as assessing, you know, who you've got and running your staff. Um, but, and, you know, I, I again, because Anthony Lynn, I think of him more as, you know, the defensive tactician sort of coach rather than uh, a guy who's going to develop a young quarterback reasonably well. So it's, I'm skeptical of the Herbert era. Um, and, I think if this turns into a two, if this, if, if you start out, if you don't get win, if you, if you're not two and one with a competitive loss to KC out of the gate, I think you start thinking hard about, okay, well, what is our, what's our, like, I like, got, like, like Ted, what, what's uh what was the GM, Tim Tedford, Ted Timford. I can't remember his name. Ted Thompson. Excuse me. Ted Tim, Thompson. Tim, the Tom, tool, man. Tom, Ted, Tom Timpson. Whatever his name is, the uh, GM and uh, for the Chargers is reasonably reasonably good GM. I wouldn't put him in the top ten in the league, but he's he's good. Um, and I mean, I could you know just look at the fact that he let Melvin uh, Gordon walk and and got a very very reasonable contract done with uh, uh, with uh, Eckler. Uh, I think is a is a sign of that. Um, and I think if you're if you're not two and one to start the season here, playing two very very green teams. In Cincinnati and Carolina, I think you're you're absolutely saying, okay, um, we're going to lose these next two on this East Coast road trip to Tampa, New Orleans. Uh, we and then we are going to start um, Herbert Week Six against the Jets and that soft secondary. We're going to see if Herbert can do anything against Jets, Dolphins, Jags, and at that point, if if you're not seeing signs of the re, you know the appropriate development of your QB as you get to bye week week ten, um, you're probably thinking, okay, regime change. We need to move on from Anthony Lynn as head coach uh, and bring in someone who can develop our quarterback. So I think that is a reasonable like outcome for their season. And in that vein, you know, in that 
world, this is a five and 11 team with the defense that's probably top five or top 10. Right. And yeah, because I, that, you know, you yeah. want, I want to make the argument of where are your strengths? And a big strength is the, you know, receivers and even toss Eckler in there is a pretty decent receiving back. But you, you see that where, I don't think a good receiving core can save a bad quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback or a, you know, a quarterback that's just not familiar with the system. You see that all the time. It feels like where good receivers are wasted and it's not, you know, like a, a good quarterback can seems like it could elevate a, a bad receiver at, at certain times, but it just doesn't feel like it's the other way around unless, I mean, unless these guys are really coaching him up as well or working with them. It, it just sucks. It, it feels like it's really going to suck to waste these receivers between Taylor and uh, Herbert this year. I don't Can you make a case for that? Like a good receiving core, obviously you should say, yeah, it helps. Like if you have an inexperienced or a bad or a you know mediocre quarterback like Taylor or, you know, inexperienced new like Herbert, having good receivers is obviously better than bad receivers. It goes without saying. But it, it, it's not like something that can save you. Like, oh, yeah, like uh, that's that's why he came along so fast. He had good receivers. He had a good offensive line. It seemed like so much more of it is just getting the system, getting the reads, learning how to read an NFL defense, learning how to make adjustments, checkdowns, things like that where, yeah, good, you have Keenan Allen, but if you can't read what the safety's going to do, you're still going to throw that pick. Like he could be wide open and you can throw it to the wrong guy. Yeah, just it's. I think that's what sucks about. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you have a strength that's going to be neutralized. Like it's it's hard to neutralize one of your big strengths, but this does it. Having a strong receiving core is going to be completely neutralized by having a very minus at the quarterback position. I don't know. I guess defensive. If there's a defensive equivalent to that or not. Yeah, no, no, there for sure there is. Like, what good is having you know the world? Yeah, a pass the world's sucks best if co- your yeah, guys yeah. are always open against you. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they're completing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, similarly, what good is it having a? Uh, uh, a you know, yeah, there there are a lot of examples like that. Um, but I will say, Gerard Taylor, um, there is a bold case for Gerard Taylor, which is. You have upgraded your offensive line, um, and you have he he is will be throwing to the um, most outstanding set of passing weapons that he's ever had as a quarterback. Period. When he took the Buffalo Bills to the um, playoffs several years ago, do you want to guess who the uh, the number one targeted player on that team was? He's how long goes the shit? Eric Moltz? That's a little too far. I'm trying no, to think of that. We're team. talking. We're talking. Uh, we're talking about the uh, the Kelvin Benjamin era. Um, no, this, oh, yeah, the well, true Beefalo Bill. Bill. Yeah, <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin. That he was not. Ass. He was not the most targeted. The most targeted was Lashawn McCoy. He did amazing things in the receiving. Oh, game shady. Was on that um, team. Second most targeted, Charles Clay. Right. So right away you say, Oh, do we have comparable uh, weapons in Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry? Absolutely. You have a you have an upgrade. I think I, I like uh 
yeah, Austin Eckler maybe not an upgrade from the the um, 2017 LaShawn McCoy, um, but for sure Hunter Henry is an upgrade over Charles Clay. So you have two nice safety blankets there for a Tyrod Taylor who's not necessarily a risk taker, right? Tyrod Taylor's wide receivers, Zay Jones, Deontay Thompson, Jordan Matthews, and Kelvin Benjamin. That is a, one of the – that's probably a, a first percentile group overall going back to – you know, the last five years, like that's one of the worst co- groups of re- receiving core I've, I've seen. That's, that's probably a, a first percentile depth chart wide receiver crew. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. No, I'm like, uh, you can do a lot worse. And so now you have Keenan Allen who runs spectacular routes and is still has, you know, still in his prime. You have Mike Williams who Healthy. can make, make game breaking plays, uh, who is, you know, I, I think the, I think Mike Williams probably can get wasted. I don't think uh, you're going to get a ton of long developing plays where uh, Terod Taylor is hitting um, hitting Mike Williams down the field and you know breaking open games, which is a shame because that's uh, you know that's a, a dimension that won't be utilized likely. But overall, the 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 weapons are much 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 better uh, than what he had last time we saw him. So I can see a world where Terod Taylor does a um, a Case Keenum impression, you know, where it's like, man, nobody thinks. You know, I was expecting anything of this guy, but oh, what do you know? Like you happen to have a good offense. Every piece around you is good, and the defense is absolutely crushing. Uh, and so it makes you look good, right? Like that's that that is probably his ceiling. You could see a Terod Taylor Taylor have a Case Keenum with the Vikings ceiling, don't you think? That seems even high, doesn't it? I, I guess no. I mean, with with the receiving core, with the offensive line, you can have like that one year flash in the pan where then he goes and signs with Denver. Like yeah. Denver, Denver gets to play him, so maybe they'll have their eyes on him and sign him next year when they go to Herbert. Like, oh man, that guy scorched just last year. <laughs> he, took, he took the charges of the playoffs. Like that, that's Locks replacement right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they bring him into the quarterback. Uh, they bring him in as a um, uh, for a quarterback competition at the Washington football team next year. Uh, something like that. Uh, uh, sounds reasonable. Even there at that point. Um, but yeah, no, Terod, I could see Terod Taylor getting a full, full complement of, of starts this year. And, you know, it's like all it would really realistically take um, would be a competitive home performance against the chiefs week two and then letting the defense do their things week one and three and you could be talking about the chargers at three and here uh heading into a tough back-to-back at tampa at once right um and the next three four games all winnable um i think you could the the range of possibilities in your week 10 by could be as good as you are uh, three and six and Lynn is on the Uber hot seat and Herbert is being evaluated for future of the franchise, or you could be nine and I mean, uh, sorry, seven and two and sitting in contention for uh, a playoff spot. Um, and that overall just makes the chargers a high deviance team this season, I think. Yeah, there could be a case for a, a ceiling of a wild card team if I mean this is one of those things we say you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know and what we don't know is will the quarterback position be halfway competent or bad and if it's bad and then they go to a rookie and he's 
you know, feeling all the growing pains, it could be a rough season. Mm. It could be, a, you know, like I said, not only wasting the receiving core, wasting the really good defense. So, it, yeah, it, it's silly to say it, like, because so much rests on a quarterback. It's a very important position, obviously. But, you know, there are a few teams like this where the whole thing hinges on it because they have the other pieces. But if they don't get competent quarterback play, it can fall together. It, you know, it can fall apart pretty quick. But let's be, let's but let's define the floor though, because com- competent. I think competent how though? Like you know, they're not going to turn the ball over. Like Terod Taylor is a very very. I mean, if he's taking safe, if he's, he's taking super as many sacks safe. as he does. Yeah, that's just going to mean you punt more. That's that's fair, and if if the defense can keep him in games, and he's not throwing, you know terrible Jameis Winston style turnovers uh, you know I guess it could be like an ugly wild card team you know where they're winning close low scoring games and their defense is the heels of their defense and Keenan Allen snagging some uncatch that was a big part you know you made the case Keenum comparison like uh, that might have been 2017 too or said 18 with Keenum I think it was whatever year he was yeah. yeah whatever year he was good for the Vikings like the you know the analytics guys showed that just how many passes Thielens and Diggs bailed him out on, like he threw a lot of I, I don't think the word was uncatchable but you know passes the expected catch rate for a lot of his passes was much lower than the actual catch rate that that occurred because good receivers bailed out a bad quarterback and then that quarterback ended up in the you know NFC title game mm-hmm. so um, you know something like that where. He gets bailed out a little. The offense isn't great, but they're not having massive turnover problems. And maybe they're honestly just – I hate to say luck because you can't say we're going to handicap on luck, but maybe some regression and a few other things. And, you know, the obvious point to is massive offseason injuries to star players and everyone. But, I mean, just Allen, Henry – Dar- or Darwin, Derwin James. So, I mean, all the injuries they've had over the past few years to important players, you get a little regression in that. You get a little positive regression in having a kicker who's not terrible, not signing seven kickers throughout the season. Last year, they recovered a league low 32% of fumbles. That's in, wild. I mean, including just the so their opponents fumbled 15 times. And they only recovered three. Jesus. Their opponents had the league low and drop passes, which is not something you can, you know, really affect. That's more on the receivers. So just all the every the universe hates them. I really don't understand what they did to piss off karma, but the, all these weird little things have worked against them over the years. So I mean, some positive regression in a bunch of situations like that, and their turnover rate isn't bad. You know, wild card team. Yeah. No, I think that's reasonable. And I would use the example of last year's Pittsburgh Steelers as that blueprint, right? Like, do you think uh, this Chargers defense has the potential to be as good as that Steelers defense was last year? Personnel-wise, I think they're there. Yeah. Um, You know, a little lighter at at, uh, linebacker, but the secondary is better. And, boy, it's similar similar to the other Bosa. We talk about – yeah. you know, his brother, it was the same situation. You got really nice bookends, and they they made an upgrade in t- on the interior. You got Bosa and Ingram, which are yeah. studs coming around the outside. And they pick, you know, he's a little older, but this guy can 
eat up some blocks. He can eat up some double doubles. Linval Joseph, kind of a quiet stud up in Minnesota. We're gonna miss him up here. He was, you know, he was great as far as just everything that a D tackle does. D tackles don't get a lot of love unless they're Aaron Donald. But when those guys are eating up double teams, that's when you know the the, the unsung hero of the Joey Bosa sack is going to be the D tackle eating some guys up. Can he generate that's some what, interior pressure yeah, on uh, against he, the Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I mean he can get some pressure. He's not. I mean, obviously it's a D tackle. They don't get the the pressure unless they are again Aaron Donald. He's not obviously in that stratosphere, but yeah, he gets sacks. He can get some pressure. It's it's definitely an upgrade. So the the defensive line is going to be better. The secondary, I think is going to be better. I love Chris Harris in the slot. Uh, You know, James healthy Hayward outside. It's, it's probably a nice defense could definitely, you know, ceilings top one, I think. Yeah. Uh, You know, I don't want, I don't want to go nuts and say this is going to be the best defense, but that's, absolutely probably the ceiling it's it should be a top five worst case top 10 I guess if they get Chargers luck and everyone gets injured it could be worse but I don't see how this defense isn't good yeah no we agree we agree um and I, I especially like the way they match up against their divisional foes which is why we've talked about we're talking about them now and not on Monday <laughs> right like they match up well in terms of being able to generate interior pressure likely against oh, yeah, get, the get Raiders and you can Carl get outside it's like guess what if you want and we'll get into Casey in a minute here but like the recipe that we learned is if you want to if you want to make Pat Mahomes look bad you you contain him in the pocket and you put pressure on him right like that's the way you do yep. it you don't let him break the pocket and that's exactly what they have in terms of personnel uh, in their front four uh, and being able to do. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to, to back Chargers at an absurd number week two against KC. I'm ready to take that under. Like, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go wild there. Those are, um, you know, I'm n- trying not to jump to KC, but those are some of the games I'm most looking forward to as far as, uh, you know, you want to call it just a fan of football. But sure. At, at the Chargers and at Buffalo – I mean, just absolutely great. I'm, you know, the irre- irresistible yeah. force and immovable object. Some really high end defenses against, you know, arguably one of the greatest offenses ever assembled. Like, that's going to be a ton of fun to see what we get from those games. And yeah, two tough, you know, tough travel spots for KC as they go to, you know, we can kind of focus on that week two one a little more. But honestly, yeah, God, let's jump over there. <clears throat> I got Baltimore yeah. on the road too. Three tough defenses on yeah. the road early in the season. That's going to be a test. You're right. Home versus New England is no treat either. Although New England is not going to be able to generate much pressure on you, they got some very very strong coverage. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, did you? I mean, okay. did you have anything else on the Chargers? I not what, really. I mean, I, did you have an opinion on the offensive coordinator change last year? Did you? I mean, was it not really anything noticeable? Not really. I thought the Chargers the the Chargers came unwound last year due to um, a couple of, as always, uh, some untimely important injuries. Uh, and I thought Philip Rivers looked washed. Uh, his yeah. ball had less zip. His his mistakes were more glaring. Um, and uh, you know, I thought 
the offensive line in particular, the, he, you know, he had some obscene fumbles that took them out of games and, you know, short of their superlative performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars late in the season, the, uh, the chargers were an abysmal disappointment last year. And uh, I thought the offense was horrible. Yeah. And they not only that, but uh, I've read a bunch about this in various places as far as how important it is to have a halftime lead just what it what it does to your game plan and you know moving forward obviously it's you know the most God, obvious you know, thing in the world saying saying hey we, having a halftime is good well no shit you're up you have more points it's you're gonna win more but just the the way you can game plan in the second half just changes especially you know, not, if you have dynamic pass to, rushers yeah yeah, you're, you're, you're floating on the pool floaty instead of trying to swim your way out from ankle weights under the pool. It's, it just changes everything. You're, you're in, you're in a, you know, the position of power. And they were slow starters last year. They were they 30th were. in offensive DVOA in the first quarter. A lot, That's of, not half first, time, a lot but, of first drive picks specifically for Rivers. I felt like that was a, yeah. I th- felt like that was a routine, almost like a bad joke. At some point, you're right. Yeah, yeah when, when, you, when right. you can't get get things going early, and you're always in a position of never getting into that power seat, that you know position of having the big lead and getting to play with that, and it's yeah. it just makes everything way more difficult. So it neuters yeah, being your a slow, I, I don't know how to what to what to attribute that to. I haven't. I wasn't able to really find anything besides some bad turnovers, and which is I'm, I'm not sure if some of that was luck or. Just, I, I don't think Rivers' decision making was great last year as a whole, and especially early on, it was rough. I agree, and early on in games specifically, he threw up some of the most ill-advised passes. Fifty-fifty balls. Yeah, some fifty-fifty balls. It was just absolutely gross. Um, the um, yeah, and yeah, you're absolutely right. If this Chargers team can't get leads, that neutralizes their defense's ability to generate a pass rush because you have less. Uh, you have fewer um, known passing downs, right? Like if you have a 10-point lead in the second half against this Chargers team, they are going to absolutely put pressure on you uh, from a pass rush standpoint because you they know what you're doing. They know what you need to do to get back to the game is pass, and they know that their coverage is going to be solid, so they can absolutely flood you with pass rush. So it's... Um, you know, it is imperative that they get some leads. And this is kind of why that they're such a high deviance team in my mind, This, which is offense clicks, they get some leads, the defense realizes its potential, and they win games against teams that you think they may not have a chance against. And vice versa, yeah, every- offense doesn't click, <laughs> the defense doesn't look as good, and then they can't play catch up because they can't pass downfield. Yeah. Every team does better with a lead, but a, a team with an elite pass rush and an elite secondary is even yeah. better. That's, I mean, yeah. you're just playing to all your strengths and getting to use it even more. So if they can be a little quicker starter, and that's where I'm not super hopeful. Like the, the offense isn't – I want to be hopeful for them. I, I, always, I, like, I feel bad for them. They're like the Cubs before they got the, uh, the World Series. You know, you're just like lovable losers because they, they were almost there a few times. That 14-2 and two season, that felt so gross. Yeah. But I'm uh, – I'm hopeful, I guess, but not too hopeful. I wouldn't be playing any money on them to win the division. Like we, we got overexcited in the last podcast about those big numbers. The big numbers are big for a reason. Uh, season win total, uh, it'd be again. I think all three teams. You can make a case for alternate unders because if it goes a, bad at the I quarterback, it'll go bad. I have bad. a confession to make. I did play them at twelve to one. 
I think, uh, I think the chargers, I, this is going back now to a long time ago, uh, when we weren't exactly sure what, you know, what was going to happen, but I do have a little bit of chargers exposure. I do think that they, and oh, so that may, that, that, that may, that may be, that may be coloring a little bit of my perception here. Um, and let's, let's kind of make the regression. If there's a Mahomes safe. injury out of the yeah. three teams, I'd rather have a chargers ticket than the other two. Absolutely agreed. Could not agree with you more. Um, but let's get into Casey a little bit here. Um, your reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, were uh, superlative in the playoffs. Uh, one of the more fun playoff runs of my adult life, really. Uh, three comeback wins uh, in escalating fashion in terms of likelihood. Uh, you know, it was very, very cool uh, to see them. Um, realize the potential of this amazing young quarterback in Pat Mahomes. Uh, and they've locked him up for the foreseeable future with uh, a, a coach in Andy Reid, who I think is very unequivocally in the top three in the NFL as far as knowing how to get the most out of his players, developing young talent, on, especially on the offensive side of the ball, crafting an offensive game plan that can get you a lead, um, and really just – being fun to be, you know, a fan of as far as a coach goes. It's not easy to like really like a coach, I don't think. Um, because we tend to remember their mistakes more than their, you know, what they do well. Um, but Kansas City is a, is an easy team to really kind of fall for. Um and it's tempting to look at what happened this offseason and the fact that they basically retained all of their key pieces short of a couple of um, secondary players and the fact that they retained all of their coaches who did such a spectacular job last year and the fact that we don't really see a meaningful case for anyone to challenge them in division um, it's tough to not look at their Super Bowl odds and say this team's going back to back I haven't heard a lot of it I haven't heard a lot of people really beating the drum on this yeah. um, but where I realistically where I want to start this entire conversation is, is KC six to one to win the Super Bowl uh, an advantage play? Man, I had a hard time saying anything <laughs> bad about them. It's, it's awful tricky. Like, whoa. I mean, this I isn't like you, you hit, on, you hit on the only thing. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, they, they lost a couple players on the, on the defensive side, but I mean, off that offense, an offensive line, you know, Wisniewski's a stealer. Um, I'm looking. Uh, Dustin Colquitt is no longer with LaShawn McCoy, Matt Moore. This yeah. is what you lost. I mean, so there's a you know there's a few few losses, and they they fill in. Well, I guess they had a you know they had a running back to hop out, but at the same time they drafted a first round running back because. Fuck, they didn't have that many other needs. You know, you don't need to go cute in the draft when just take the best player or whoever you like. And who are we to say and you know, we're the kind of people and we're in the we're in that circle of don't don't take running backs in the first round, don't pay running backs, but who are we to tell the Chiefs who to draft and who not to draft at this point? Yeah, sure. Turned out to be Cause, prophetic. Because Damian yeah. Williams is sitting out. <laughs> well, and not only that, but the I mean just the the whole Mahomes thing, everyone can, I mean, the league in general and the, I mean, it was kind of panned 
it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like what the what the hell are you doing? But it, it seemed like a reach at the, you know, teams reach all the time. But man, has there ever been a one eighty that hard before? I don't think so. It's one of those things too, where sometimes, and I'm not a big, this isn't a conspiracy theory, but like when you do something amazing by accident and someone sees you and you're like, yeah, I meant to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Like, like, did they really know something, or did they just? Hell, we're we're reaching for this guy. I like. I think he's he's a great project. I think we can make something of him. Like uh, even even in their minds, I don't think anyone in Casey's like we knew it all along. He was going to be in you know fifty touchdowns, MVP, going to win a Super Bowl right away. You know, obviously they didn't start him right away, which again true. maybe t- maybe to their credit, give them some time because coming from such a different kind of system into the NFL, but. Yeah, I, I I can't sit here and try to second guess anything Kansas City does as a coaching staff, as an organization, as a you know scheme wise, team building, roster construction, contracts, anything like that. Go ahead, do whatever you want until you start to look dumb because everything's working out, everything's coming up peaches. They're favored in fourteen games this season. Yeah, six to one. It, where is it where is it when we get to the playoffs and they're the number 1 seed yeah 3 to 1 it, yeah probably i think i unless mahomes get hurt gets hurt and I, I don't i don't see it getting that much longer it's a like it's a one it's a it's a it's one of those numbers that only moves one way as a surprise other teams get eliminated from contention you know, yeah. it has like it like there's so much public support for the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs after what they did last year that I can't ever really see there being a better number available short of an injury to Mahomes. Right. Like even yeah. if they're let's say that they lose two of their first three, let's say they lose. I'm having a tough time even making saying this with a straight face. Let's say they're three and three through week six. Right? What's what's like? How much higher is this going to go? People are still going to assume, hey, you got all these winnable games coming up. They're going to win their next four. They're you know then and then you know they're they doesn't matter where they play. Books don't want books don't want you know. I've listened to some pretty good podcasts with some pretty good interviews with some people who've set lines who've managed sports books, and they the one guy referred to it as managing a future book. You know, he almost said it was like a you know a separate part of what he did as a job managing the futures because obviously it is it's long term compared to just hey we have to set the power numbers for the game this weekend and yeah in a situation like that first off if they're three and three after six games I'm wondering you know just how bad Mahomes got the COVID and how many more weeks till he's off the ventilator because how 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 is that happening first off but Mm -hmm. secondly like the, the future book thing if they're three and three 10 games left, a lot of them winnable, and just coming off the nightmare of all the comebacks and covering everything in the playoffs. If you're managing a sports book, do you want to set a big fucking number on KC for everybody to grab? That's no. not what you want in your life. Like <laughs> no. you, you can't overreact to that. If you're the person, the trader, the manager, the risk manager, setting the number, what, you can go set that at like, what, 12 to 1? You could have fun with that. Like that's not what you need in your life. That's that feels terrible when you get to the playoffs. Yeah, if you're just uh, gonna park, let, let's say, like if you have some Bitcoin sitting in a um, uh, in in an e wallet right now, 
and you're like, I'm not going to sell this or do anything with it anytime this season. Like, what's the risk in putting it into a, a KC future at six to one? Like, reasonably come the playoffs, uh, even if they aren't, you know, even if this, because this year, even if their path is, you know, through the wild card and they have to go on the road, right? There's not many places I'm nervous about them going and playing well on the road, especially if there's likely no fans. Like it's very tough for me to say that six to one isn't going to go one way between now and the championship game weekend, which I think high likelihood Chiefs are there. Yeah, similar similar conversation we had when we did MVP stuff. We said, you know, hey, his MVP number is this, but if he plays all sixteen games, like he wins, right? Because <laughs> yeah. like the, the team's gonna be good. You, you don't, you know, the shine is worn off Lamar a little. He got his prize. Uh, it'd be tough to give it to some other guys because you, you need so many things to go right. You need you need the team to play well. You need to have the stats. You need to have the success, and you need to be a little flashy. You got to have some narratives. And, you know, granted, he's already won one. I don't know if there's a fatigue factor. You know, there's plenty of quarterbacks who've won multiple. But at the same time, oh, you know, it, it's going to be hard to take it away, even if he's at like 80% of his MVP season, like 40 touchdowns, 4,800 yards, and the team's really good. So very, very, very similar to what we said about the MVP market. It doesn't feel like a number that's going to get way worse. Like, oh, you know, 10 weeks in, we can get Mahomes MVP, like 10, 15 to one. In that case, he got hurt. And I'll take that, I'll take that, you know, I take that risk on both both the bets. I guess I'm not scared to take a six to one. I don't no. have a ton of Super Bowl futures, and you got me thinking about this pretty hard. Well, I mean, like it's like, what is it going to take for that number to go up to eight? Right? Let's like let's say like no, my fair price for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl is you know, I, or, or just like out of principle, I want a bigger number, right? And I think we'll get one at some point during this season. Like, even if the Ravens beat them week three and the Ravens are 3-0 and or something at that point and look like world beaters, um, what's the worst? These guys like flip-flop, like 600 plus 650 flip-flop or something? Like, people still will make the case, well, I like the Ravens as a regular season team, but Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, come on, he's never won a game. Right. Like there will still be doubters. There will still be a lack of support, I think, for the Ravens. Um, I don't think anyone is running to the window to back anyone else in the uh, AFC, which means, you know, the Super Bowl number only comes down if somebody in the NFC is like lighting the effing world on fire. Maybe the Cowboys, uh, just because they have so many backers, like you're going to want to cover your exposure there and you move that number up real quick. Um, but I, you know, I, I really just, I have a very tough time not seeing this go one way as some of the other contenders in the uh, AFC drop out. Like right now, the, the Patriots are kind of high to win the AFC at 12 to one, I think, right. Relative to the chiefs at three to one, like what happens if the Patriots suck? What happens if they start Jared Stidham and it's like, Oh wait, no, they actually are tanking or like, this is a team that needs a lot of work to be competitive for a title, right? Like there's, there is a chance that uh, that the Buffalo Bills are not true contenders this year. There's a chance that the you know that no one in the AFC South distinguishes themselves, right? So like, I, I I don't know. I just I see. I'm looking at six to one. I think this only goes one way. I'm probably gonna at least put a little bit of uh, 
you know, a Bitcoin feature on it or something is I'm just going to let that money sit around anyway. So, um, I think it goes one way. Do you remember what the Chiefs were to win the Super Bowl come uh, AFC? Uh, just come no, the playoffs last I, year. I was hope I was going to ask you the same damn thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't recall. I think I got it written. I got the screenshot somewhere, but I don't have it queued. I know I have folders of screenshots. <laughs> I know. I know. I need to just get better at, at uh, scraping and we'll see that stuff in the I files. Know, same. Like I've gone f- super far in the direction of like I want so much. I like I got so tired of not having those numbers you... handy that now I have too much and I find yeah. it is and yeah, it's hard so, to find. Yeah. I need to catalog <laughs> yeah, right. it better. Now exactly. I have this big I need the, I need one at all. Plan. Right. Exactly. Money, fast cars, diamond rings, gold chains. Need to index it better. Um, but anyway, the um, I, I I don't know. I just the fact that they broke through last year, the fact that there's going to be an endless amount of support for them. Either a they look great and that gets shorter, or b uh, you know they they uh, uh, stumble their way into the playoffs. But but there's real really no other contenders in the AFC that I think you can reasonably shorten this market too much. Um, and I guess the only way it's a bad bet is if the Chiefs don't make the playoffs. What is your likelihood of that? I don't know. What's the likelihood of the season get canceled? Yeah. Okay. That's a fair same point. thing. <laughs> That's a fair point. Like, um, it just, okay. It's really hard for a team with that much talent. Like, can, can you name a team that was, we do the, you know, every year we get into the NFL and we look at the teams that were good and we can make a case for, we made a hell of a case for the Rams to, you know, coming off a Super Bowl appearance to not be great. I feel like this is such a weird year where we're high on both Super Bowl appearance teams again. Sure. It's like, you know, neither one of these, I I don't see how they get a lot worse. Yeah. I don't think this is, you know, it feels, it feels like you can say whatever you want to be, you want to be square or whatever. Like, no, I don't care if I'm square contrarian with the crowd against him. I want to be right. Yeah. I want to, I want to have the correct, the, you know, not to, not right to be just right and to lord it over somebody. I want to be right because I'm betting on these teams, and I want my power numbers to be correct so I can make good bets throughout the season. And stepping, and I'm I'm, yeah. st- I'm stuck in a spot where I can't downgrade the Chiefs at all. Yeah, and I'm stepping back, and I want to frame this a little bit differently for a second, which is everything about playing the futures market is market entry. And the whole point of this conversation that we're having, I'm trying to elicit some feedback in terms of, is there a better time to enter the market on Chiefs than right now? And I don't know if there is. Like, I don't think this is ever going to be a better number. Uh, And I also think that uh, there's no other team that I would rather have a futures ticket on and see that team as a matchup in the Super Bowl just because of how lopsided the Super Bowl. You know, they're going to be like, what's the surcharge going to be in terms of points on the chiefs if they go back to the super bowl this year against any of these teams in the in the nfc like one and a half two points like you're going to get a fat number on the chiefs in the super bowl this year after what happened last year don't you think if they get there yeah i probably i'm i'm yeah i'm right there with you it just feels like it feels bad like when i was doing research on the chiefs i felt like i was trying to nitpick them you know, I was looking for cracks in the armor, I, and it's it's hard to find. I, I guess uh, devil's advocate's hard to play, but another year of tape on Mahomes' defenses might be able to do something. But then the counter argument to that is Andy Reid's pretty smart. 
he knows well he knows you have to stay ahead of the curve good coaches like harbaugh and reed and belichick uh even shanahan with you know just at least offensive play calling you know they know you have to stay ahead of it that they have a whole off season to watch all the tape there's only so many games it doesn't take that long you can watch every single play uh an opposing quarterback is you know you got big staffs to handle this so For you sure. have to stay ahead of the curve. So uh, it's, again, it's so hard. Every nitpick I try to make, there's a counter argument that's like, well, Andy Reid's smart, or, you know, <laughs> the offense, you know Patrick Mahomes will make throws that other people can't make. Yeah. And, uh, they're, live in, they're, live so in every, they're live in every single game. Yeah, the defense sucks. Who cares? They, they come yeah. back from whatever lead you throw at them. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're, I think we have a fair read there, which is that if you ever intend, I mean, do you have a nitpick? This year, oh yeah, for sure. Oh, I have plenty. Um, and yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, and, they're and, all, and, but they're and all small. What, right. And guess what? Like in the same breath that I'm saying that six to one to win the Super Bowl is only going to get shorter from here until, uh, until Super Bowl Sunday. Um, if they're there, uh, I would also tell you that I think the market is overrating this team. <laughs> to a degree 10 point opener for the houston texans week one really yeah in the game by game stuff (laughs) in the game by game stuff you're paying a premium to back them you're paying a premium absolutely i don't know that i will have any or many bets on the chiefs this year i will probably circle only spots where i feel like they are coming up against the team that matches up against them well i brought up the chargers week two i like that look i'll probably back the uh the ravens week three i like that that matchup quite well um, especially with the Chiefs on a back-to-back, you know, coming from the West Coast, going East, like that's a nasty spot. Um, looking ahead to the New England Patriots, looking, uh, and you know, there's there are enough spots on the schedule that I see where they are going to be truly tested. Tampa Bay weeks twelve, that's going to be a nasty spot. New Orleans week fifteen. I mean, it is not um, it is not an accident that Baltimore, Denver. Tampa and New Orleans, those three, those four road games are all back to backs for the Chiefs. Like they truly did throw the kitchen sink at them from a schedule standpoint, I feel like this year. They tried to make this as tough as possible given who was on their schedule. I really think that. Um, and I think that you're absolutely right in that the, that the three toughest defenses that they face all season are all in the first six weeks of the season. Like you are absolutely going to test these guys. This is going to be very, very hard fought wins against the Chargers the Ravens and the bills, if they can even get those wins and you're probably going to get favorable prices uh, on the home dogs in those three spots, I'm guessing. Um, And, you know, it's, I think a huge lesson that the chiefs would have taken away from last season is you don't need to go 16 and 0 to win the Super Bowl. You can work your way into form to a degree over the course of the season. You can try different things uh, over the first half of the season. And, you know, what what matters is kind of fine-tuning your performance over the last five weeks, uh, in which case they probably are looking at that, you know, that New Orleans game, say, week 15, and that has a ton of significance for them, right? Like, that's the kind of one that you really want to be thinking about more so than, you know, your week two game against the Chargers, I would guess. Although, sure, of course, you want to win every division game. Of course, you want to um, you know, get a potentially get the uh, the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, I just think that you probably are kind of coming into the season with a little bit more of a you know, let's save our bullets for the stretch run again, so we can do what we did last year because that worked out great for us. Um, and you know, to a degree, you could t- you could convince me that having won a championship and 
you know, the fact that this offseason was so unusual that you could catch some of these guys out of shape a little bit, out of uh, kind of their normal routines a little bit. Like, did these guys grind as hard in the offseason trying to get ready? I mean, we gave we just gave Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, $400 million for 10 years. He bought himself a brand-new car. Like, does he have the same focus in prepping for defenses this year? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Travis Kelsey gets paid. Uh, Chris Jones gets paid. Like, you're, you're rolling out some – big money for these guys uh and uh it if you haven't heard uh it, there's a pandemic going on and that for sure is there's a wrinkle a, there's in terms a of gd pandemic yeah <laughs> yeah there sure is you muted yourself um and you got I so, so i got so excited so i hit the mute yeah. button there <laughs> yeah so yeah you could get caught sleeping you could catch a uh, you could catch a, a a right hook you weren't expecting uh, yeah, it's like games. an ugly narrative nitpick, but it it's not something that doesn't happen. Like there is a bit of a, it, you know, once once you've climbed Mount Everest, uh, it, do you lose a little bit? I hate to sound, uh, you know, now I just sound like a fucking ESPN, like one of those shows where the two people fight and you say dumb stuff. But like I I I feel like that might be a legitimate thing if you dig into the psychology of something once you've got the ultimate goal and you've won the super bowl do you lose a little bit of that competitive fire i don't know that that's like that's how hard i have to reach like right now to say something bad about the you made a hell of a face there what just, just happened saw, i just saw the pic that jimmy posted of milos roundage holy fucking shit. I gotta get to the tennis chat now. Is he is he that fat? Oh my god. Oh my god, he is incredibly fat. (laughs) I'm sorry, I've got to close Twitter. Holy shit. Thank you, Jimmy. I can't bet on him in the US Open. (laughs) Jesus. It's gonna crack the court. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, excuse me. I'm sorry. I you were on a roll and I did not mean to distract you there. But you're right. This is Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's how hard I have to read. This is nitpicky narrative shit. And the one thing that I think is worth bringing up, and we haven't talked about this at all in our chats, we haven't really kind of talked about it at all in the podcast. Um, they're going to have fans in the stands week one in Kansas City. There's going to be a difference in, uh, you know, in fan attendance across various teams in the league. We could, we've heard, I think, for sure. Uh, a number of the Northeast teams and the California teams will for sure not have fans at all this season. Seattle will not have fans in September. Uh, Dallas and Kansas City, so far I've heard of, they intend to uh, to load them up at least uh, partially full stands. Um, is, I still can't this, believe it's going to be team by team. Like I, I'm waiting for the league to it, step in. I mean, it, the cat is out of the bag. KC has got people watered up we're gonna get twenty two thousand of you in here for banner night um they're gonna freaking do it jerry jones is so gonna it's do gotta it. be like, everybody like everybody jerry jones runs the league man he says he's ha- he's gonna he's bringing jerry jones wants his friends and jerry world to see the cowboys this year man yeah. he's paid all these guys money he wants he wants to get his fans in there to see these guys play um it's it's a weird kind of in unequal distribution of who is and isn't going to have fans in the stands across the NFL this year. And KC will like, does that present an advantage to them across the AFC against teams like Baltimore who do not teams like new England, who I assume will not. Um, or, uh, or is this ridiculous that there's, you know, this could be partially full stands. It's not going to matter at all. 
I'm, I don't know. I hope they, <clears throat> first off, I hope they take the precautions, space them out. I've seen that. It's like you have to wear a mask unless you're eating or drinking. And there's, I've, I got buddies that drunk the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to be. I, we'll see how that goes, first of all. But having fans, I mean, as far as for a home team, having fans is definitely better than not having fans. It should help a little. It'll be weird to hear like a, a half a crowd or a quarter crowd or something, you know, whatever it is, going uh, going nuts. And I don't know, maybe do we have, say, like quarter ref bias then? I think there still will be a little bit of ref bias. It just takes enough fans to make some noise. To get I the ref so bias too. back, I guess. So I, I think definitely any adjustments you're making to home uh, home field advantage, wait to see how this goes. And I think, you know, kind of pump the brakes on dropping it all the way to like one. Having any fans is going to bring the ref bias back into back into the fold, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's the right choice or the wrong choice. I don't want to get political and – I honestly, I'm so sick of like Corona arguments in Twitter DMs and on the news yeah, and everywhere. Yeah. Like it's the worst. So I don't want to get into the weeds on that. So I, I don't know if, what, you know, I'm, I'm not a vi- virologist, virologist. So to do it, do whatever you want, I guess, NFL. Hopefully it doesn't affect the, the league and the schedule. If, if like having fans ruins the, ruins the league and takes down the, Takes down oh, the uh, God. Don't even bring that I'll up. Be pretty pissed. Yeah, but same. I, I guess I, I feel like hopefully they can do things safely, maybe. But okay, uh, I, from a betting standpoint, I guess keep an eye on it. It'll be really interesting if there are a few teams that say no fans. <laughs> like, yeah, then I mean, make your adjustments accordingly. Yeah, no, it's very true. Um, no, that's one hundred percent true. And I, I guess it's funny how little we're talking about the Chiefs, like because there's nothing to say. They're great. Okay, well let's let's talk about them then. Um, the holes on this. What there did are you holes. think? What did you there, think of the rest of holes. the draft? There are holes on this team. I didn't love their draft really at all. Um, yeah, I, don't I mean, see, it's hard to draft from that position. That's fine. Like uh, you know, I, I don't. I you know that. If you're if you're at such a luxury that your roster is this full of talent that you can draft running back in the first round, then you want to do that. So be it. Um, I don't really care. Um, you're going to have you know four years of contribution out of that player at a at a, at a reduced price. So fine, that's fine. Um, that's worked out fine for a lot of teams, and that's fine. Uh, it didn't work out for Sonny Gray and the Patriots just because they made a terrible decision. Sonny Michelle, excuse me, Sonny Michelle and the Patriots because they made a terrible draft choice. But um, you betting baseball. You know, Sneakily, <laughs> no, um, but no, it's in seriousness. The uh, there are holes on this team that I don't think they addressed especially well. Um, they have two amazing left, they have, they have two amazing tackles. Eric Fisher, well, I guess, isn't amazing, he's very good. M- Mitchell Schwartz is amazing. Um, and they get amazing pass protection contributions from Travis Kelsey when he stays in the block as well. So they have really, really good protection around the outside, which means that, uh, you know, they do a good job of neutralizing the edge rushers, which in the case of if there ever is a breakup in the pocket, if there ever is pressure up the middle, Pat Mahomes tends to uh, get out, you know, break, break pocket, either make a play with his legs, as we saw him do a couple times in the playoffs, to amazing success, or, uh, you know, hit guys running free 40 yards down the field because their wide receiving core of Tyreek Hill and uh, Mercole Hardman, even uh, Robinson, these are some of the faster wide receivers in the league, and they can absolutely create separation, and the Holmes has a, a 
a, a bazooka of an arm uh, and can deliver things on the numbers, uh, you know, 40 yards down the field. So it's a, it's a, it's a fine um, problem to not have elite guards and centers. If your quarterback is Pat Mahomes, in my opinion, like that's fine. Like that's not going to be an Achilles heel at all. Um, it is fine to have uh, questionable cornerbacks uh, as long as you can reasonably stop the run with your interior line and your linebackers, the, um, you know, the, that is one kind of weakness that the chiefs had, especially two years ago. Um, although with the way they deployed Tyran and Matthew, I felt like last season, they did a much, much better job, uh, of, you know, curing that issue. Um, they don't, yeah, that's, that's another yeah. thing. I don't know if it was dumb luck or great coaching, great roster building, great coaching players up, but yeah, their, their defense was questionable and they bring in guys, they bring in, you know, it's not like it was no namers, but they bring in some guys for reasonable deals. And all of a sudden the defense kind of came together and was, you know, it wasn't great, but it was good. And yeah. that's another thing. Like, was that, was that a stroke of luck? Was that just you know, an outlier? Was it, you know, is this defense actually good? It's it's hard to you know it's I guess they're paying they're paying a couple of players pretty decent salaries. It's not it's like true. They went cheap on they didn't go cheap on defense, but at the same time it was it was wild for that to come together like it did. So maybe that's uh, that's where we see some issues this year where that's not repeatable, and they are the balls over team, and we're seeing fifty seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, that they, they like, they have, they have solid players at a bunch of spots on defense, which I think is, and they have a very, very, very good defensive coordinator. Steve Spagnuolo did, um, an absolutely superlative job last season, um, kind of, you know, figuring out the ingredients he had to work with and putting them together in a way that they played their best, uh, when it mattered, uh, which is a huge part of how they got to. Um, you know, to to the Super Bowl, you know, holding the awesome Niners offense to 20 points is impressive. That was good. Um, Chris Jones is a bona fide superstar in this league. Frank is. Clark is a talented pass rusher. Um, Tyran Matthew is a dynamic uh, secondary player that can do a lot of things to help your team. Uh, Brashawn Breland is a very solid cornerback. All of the rest of the guys on this defensive roster are replacement level players, in my opinion. And so there are places you're going to be able to attack them. Um, I just don't know if you're going to be able to, uh, you know, do it for four quarters without getting adjusted by, you know, adjusted to in a way that you are surprised because Steve Spagnuolo is very good. Um, so it's, you know, there, again, there, there is virtually no team in this league that I think can run away with a win against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. None. They're going to be in every game, even if they're down two scores. If they're down three scores, if they're down 24 nothing, it doesn't matter. They are going to be in the game still um, just because of their coaching, because of their ability to make, you know, make the, the, the home run to play. score you know? fast. Yeah, right. They like the Yankees are down so nine nothing. Can they hit enough home runs to get back into a game? Sure. The you know the the um the Chiefs are down 24 nothing. Can they score enough touchdowns quickly enough to get back into the game? Sure. In fact, they can double your score. <laughs> like it's absolutely crazy uh, what the ceiling of they this team is. They can somehow embarrass you from that position. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. 
<laughs> that's right which it turns into a double embarrassment um yeah. so it's uh you know it's it the the thing that you know the the thing that potentially could if they slide it all in terms of their ability to take the ball away if they slide it all in terms of if they get a little loose get a little fumble happy get a little interception a little happy yeah a little loosey-goosey like yeah that could make things tougher for them um but i do think still we're talking about a team that is going to be in the mix uh, come January, and at that point in time, we'll be in the, the three to four to one ballpark, not six to one. So, if you like that number, get it now. And if everything goes right, if these guys are focused in, you know, playing their best and riding the high of winning the Super Bowl, um, I can see a scenario where they're the clear slam dunk one seed, and that price for the Super Bowl is even shorter. So, that said, I don't think. Yeah, and I mean, I guess uh, the the <laughs> the counter argument to my nitpick was, you know, like, oh, are they are they not hungry anymore? You know, they won their Super Bowl. Is that, uh, you know, if I'm the coaching staff, if I'm the players, I think maybe the opposite of that a little too. You got to realize windows in the NFL aren't huge. Great point, and especially with where they are in you know in contract situation. You know, the the salary cap. What the what they're paying for some of these yeah. contracts? Like they have to know they have a few years before they have to. It, it gets a lot harder. You can't. Keep I think this probably just forever. this year, really, realistically, it, it, it just might, this year. It might be one year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's now or never to cement your dynasty, guys. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess. Uh, are you going to go out on a limb and make a Super Bowl prediction at some point in the uh, in the <laughs> run up here? Isn't yeah? Isn't our Super Bowl prediction Chiefs Niners? No, nah, I don't sucks. think so. I'm gonna mix it up. I'm gonna go Ravens Niners probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go probably Steelers Vikings. Oh, there you go. Ooh, that's a fun one. Oof, I like that. That's a Vikings <laughs> Steelers Mike, Vikings. Yeah, I don't, really? I don't even think they make the playoffs. <laughs> Steelers. I'm interested in the Steelers blank Super Bowl, but I don't think I'm gonna take the Vikings. Steelers. On that. God, who's an NFC team I like? I think you like the Dallas Cowboys quite a lot. Yeah, did, I the, do like did the, the D line Cowboys? I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that's a rematch. D, uh, definitely, a re- it's a that's like a an all time classic. There, I mean, not that it was a great yeah. Super Bowl, but those are those are your two fan bases that played many, 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 many meaningful games in the '70s, and also a, a rematch. Oh, even in, like uh, 1996, 95, 96, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there. Ninety six, yeah. I think, was a Broncos Super Bowl. But yeah, that was that was like my youth. Aikman and oh god, it wasn't. It's was like Neil O'Donnell in that one. You know, that wasn't not like Terry. Yeah, Brett, it was Neil was. O'Donnell. Good call, oh, Neil O'Donnell. Man, straight well, that's back, back when that's back brain. when the AFC used to just go and get spanked. I think I just checked; they only lost by ten, but it was almost like a foregone conclusion. You just go, you'd go and take your whooping from whoever. One from the Cowboys and Niners for a yeah. few years there. A ten point was loss rough. was uh, a ten point loss was a uh, that was a win was, an, was a win yeah because I think the next year uh, well, the Stan Niners, Humphreys yeah, yeah that was a beat the Chargers. We are naming some quarterbacks that went to the Super Bowl from the AFC in these years. So. <laughs> there was a lot of Jim Kelly. Uh, there was a lot of there was four Jim Kellys right. Jim Kelly, Jim Kelly, Jim Kelly, Jim Kelly, Neil O'Donnell. Is that how it went? No, no. The the Stan Humphrey Super Bowl was before. Oh, it was, was before the Neil. Oh, you know, okay. and you know who sang the national anthem that day? Was Kathy it Whitney Houston? Oh, no, 
Yes, it was on my Kathy well, I'm reading what Lee Wikipedia Gifford? says. Oh my god, she sang the San Diego San Francisco Super Bowl or the uh, the she Dallas. Was, she was well loved, you know, man. No, yeah, because no be- before that, well, if you don't like Kathy Lee and Hoda, man, yeah, you had the, the bills just <laughs> stumbling over themselves for four years. Was that directly before that? That is a hell of a streak for the the NFC. God bless them. Bang, 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 bang. Well, and then before that, the Giants and the the Giants, the 49ers, the Redskins, they all Broncos got their teeth kicked in a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it it wasn't until the Broncos won that Super Bowl with Elway in the mid-90s. It was probably like 10 years. Jesus. Yeah. But we digress. It's time to finish for the evening. Okay. That was fun. Uh, In... Best of luck to you. If you're a Chiefs fan, enjoy this little uh, cap, you know, this little potential uh, mini dynasty here. Um, although 10 years of Pat Mahomes, he'll be back probably. Yeah. There's there's going to be a second, like uh, the second Pat Mahomes uh, resurgence. I'm just fascinated to see what the cap numbers look like if it comes down like 20%. <laughs> and they just gave yeah. all these guys all this money. Um, That'd be pretty funny. So. Yeah, I mean, realistically, right, yeah. Until... you know what? Then it's going to cost what? you that you drafted uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and not uh, Tyree Kill's replacement, right? Like, yeah, then exactly. it's going to cost you. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, well, all right, you man. get the 32nd pick next year. So, all right, yeah, we will uh, <laughs> we'll resume this next week with some NFC East. All right, talk to you then. See ya.